My name's Phil. I'm one of the pastors here, here at our church. And uh, and if you if you haven't met me, perhaps a, a good story that might inform a little bit of of who I am. I was greeted this morning by a, a very positive group of young people, uh, which is always nice. And, and they came to me, and they they'd obviously been talking about who I am and who Dean is, uh, our senior pastor. And they they came to me and said, Phil, we've been chatting, and we've decided that Dean is the cool one. <laughs> Right. And there was kind of like this long pause. I'm like, this could go in any number of directions right now. And I'm like, okay, there's a but coming here, I'm sure. Or maybe it was just a throwaway comment. Yep, Dean's the cool one. That's all. Have a good Sunday. <laughs> but they didn't say that. They said, they paused and said, Dean's the cool one. And you, you're like the, the dad cool one. And I kind of sat with that for a moment. I'm still not sure if it was intended as a compliment or a slight. And I was like, well, I think that the dad cool one kind of means you're not really cool but you're confident and comfortable in that and that comes across as cool. Uh, so I'm prepared to own that, that was fine. So uh, I hope you had a, a much more welcome experience as you came <laughs> came into church this morning. Now I love our young people but seriously though John, me and you, we're going to be talking to some of your uh, youth. Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, we've been uh, we've been tracking since the start of the year on this series called Resolution. Last week we had Dr. Martin Sanders, which was fantastic. Uh, but this has been a series we've been uh, we've been spending some time with. And, and how crazy is it? Today is in fact the last day of January. That's, that's, that's unusual, right? I feel like that's gone way too quick. That we started this, you know, right at the start of January. It almost feels like that was an entire 12 months ago. Any, anyone feeling that way? We're just about to hit February and it feels like we've been tracking for 12 months. Maybe not. Hopefully you're, you're not having that, that shared experience in this moment. But, uh, but we started this, this great series and obviously playing off the idea of the New Year's resolution. We talked about some of the things that are good about them, maybe some of the weaknesses about them. But, but really use that as a springboard to think about what are some of the spaces in my life that I need to think a little bit more about? What are the places of value that I need to be invested in? And today we're going to continue that conversation looking at the idea of reconnecting and in particular focusing on our connection with God. Our connection with God, you know, we, we, we've had a wonderful service already here this morning where many of you would have felt the presence of God, that as we stood and, and, and praised and, and in worship, and even in that moment uh, before I began, just to, to stand in the presence of God, and something in your heart feels that sense of connection with who God is. You know, we all connect with, with lots of different things, don't we? It might be other people, it might be ideas or philosophies, it might be vision, it, it might be a picture of our future. We, we find different things to connect with in our life. You know, I thought a little bit more about that, and, and probably one of the, the most relatable places is our connections with other people. And, and sometimes they gel really naturally, and, and sometimes they take a little bit of work, don't they? Sometimes connecting with people can be a really difficult thing in some of the arenas that you live your life, and I'm sure you can relate to that. But, but at least, no matter what that situation, it's another human being. They've got a face, they've got a smile, they, they, they've got a shared experience of what it is to be a human. But then when it comes to connecting with God, it's a very different ball game, isn't it? What does it mean to authentically, truly connect with our God in a significant way in our lives? Because we know it's different to, to some of those other connections. But there's also part of us that knows it, it's the most important connection to be made within our hearts and within our souls. Yeah, I want to speak into that this morning. I want to have a conversation around how we, as people of faith, 
connect with God, that, that in such a way that it's not just we're close to God or we're nearby to God, which honestly it might be some of our experiences coming to church even this morning, that we're in close proximity to God. But is there a real connection with everything that he is in your heart and in your soul? Yeah, we're going to be looking at a, a passage of Scripture from Luke 10 in a few moments' time and, and, and thinking about how two people of faith find themselves connecting with Jesus. And they're, they're two sisters, in fact, two sisters that throughout the gospel stories find their story intersecting with Jesus time and time again. Two sisters named Martha and Mary. Some of you might be familiar with them. And, and as I think and reflect on, on the accounts that were given of their stories, we, we can actually learn a little bit about their unique personalities. Now, now Martha was, was likely the older of the sisters. And, and Martha was one of those kind of people that, that seems to me that, that she was pretty well organized, that she was well structured, that she kept to a calendar well, that, that she was very rarely late and she got things done. A, anyone a little bit like that this morning? You love your calendar, you, you own your calendar, you're all on top of it. And, and she was a fairly structured person. But perhaps Martha was a little bit too serious as well. Maybe she took herself a little bit too seriously. Maybe she didn't find enough spaces in her life to be laughing and having fun. But she valued God. And she valued connection with Jesus. Then her sister Mary was, was a little bit different. She was maybe a little bit more free-spirited, a little bit more adventurous. She lived life fully. She, she felt both the highs and lows of life in full ways. She was someone that loved people, loved having conversations, was out and amongst everything, and, and maybe wasn't particularly punctual, maybe didn't keep a calendar well, maybe forgot about things. But she too, despite her differences, valued God and desired to connect with Jesus. We're going to read part of their story. In Luke 10 together, and starting in verse 38. And it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Anyone relating with that emotion right now? In any way, yeah, some of you, that, that chuckle was very revealing. Don't you care that she's left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me out. Oh, really? And then Jesus' response Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And what Jesus is alluding to is that Mary has chosen connection with him. Let's, uh, let's kind of step into this story for a moment. So Mary and Martha, they're, they're, they're living together, and Martha, presumably the older, invites Jesus to come and share a meal with them. Now, both of them understand that this is a significant occasion, and Martha and her personality, her response to Jesus coming to the home was to put on the most extravagant meal she can think of, that Jesus is, is such a significant guest, everything has to be perfect. I'm going to work hard to make sure 
sure that Jesus has an amazing time at our house. And you see the motivation there. You see the intention and it's good. She wants to be a blessing to Jesus. So she busily gets away working at, at all the preparations as she's preparing the meal. Then by contrast, Mary, as soon as Jesus walks into the home, boom, she's stuck to him like glue. Jesus sits down in a, in a living space somewhere in the home and Mary's right there at his feet, just waiting and listening, making sure that she catches everything that Jesus is going to say. Meanwhile, Martha, of course, I don't know exactly what their home would have looked like, but you could imagine she might have been around the corner in, in something of a kitchen space. And she's working away. And after a time, possibly a fairly brief portion of time, she realizes that her sister Mary's not helping at all. And so she's, uh, as she's working away, she's getting a little bit frustrated. And she peers around the corner and she sees Mary. She says, Mary, what? She's just sitting there. She's not doing anything. Doesn't she know how hard I'm working? She goes back to the kitchen and she keeps working and she's, she's working away thinking about how great this meal is going to be, but getting more and more frustrated that her sister's not helping. A little bit more time goes past and she sneaks around the corner again. So, oh, she hasn't even moved. She's in that exact same position. She's just sitting there. And of course, this is all an internal monologue. She's not screaming at Jesus and Mary. And she goes back, and I don't know if you've ever been in this kind of situation, she starts deliberately making more noise as she's working so everybody knows that I'm working hard. She's clanging the pots and the pans. Mary! And she's getting more and more frustrated until finally it's all too much and she goes back. Or maybe even before that, she might have tried the sneaky like, because Mary... Mary. And she's trying to get her to look at it. Mary, come and help me. And of course, she doesn't want Jesus to know because she wants to come off as, you know, I'm helping Jesus out. I'm doing the right thing. But Mary, come and help me. And, and then you can imagine Mary on the other side looking back and saying, Martha, for once in your life, can't you just chill out? And there's this kind of this battle going between them. And, and Martha goes back and she's working and she's getting more and more frustrated until it's all too much. She comes back out, and you can imagine it, like a, a sibling going to mum or dad. And she comes out and says, Jesus, can't you make Mary come and help me? Clearly, she's only listening to you. Tell her to come and help me. She's not going to listen to me. And she's all, all revved up, all waked up. And then Jesus, here's his response, Martha, Martha, Martha. Now, just a word of warning here. If you ever find yourself in a similar position to Jesus in this moment, don't respond to this person like this. Feel, feel, feel. Come here, tell me all that. It, it may come off as condescending. It may come off as a little bit patronizing. They may not listen to what you have to say. But Jesus, you know, being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he gets away with this kind of phrasing. He says, Martha, Martha. Oh, I don't, I don't know if he's laughing. I, I picture him kind of chuckling a little bit. Maybe that's, that's just my irreverence coming through. But, but he says, Martha, Martha, come on. Mary's chosen what is better. Mary's chosen what is better. Now, I love sometimes when we follow stories in Scripture, it doesn't tell us the, the outcome of the story. We don't know what Martha did. Did she come to a sense? Like, oh, yeah. That is better than freaking out over here. I'm just going to come and sit with you. Or, or maybe she was frustrated. She didn't understand in that moment as she went back and served some amazing meal and was angry the entire... Who knows? Who knows what happened? But that's not the point. The point is this idea of connection with God. 
but before we go a little bit deeper into that, I thought we'd have some fun. Thinking think about Mary and Martha, these two kind of personality types, these two responses to, to Jesus in this moment. And, and sometimes we can, we can relate to characters in Scripture, and that's a powerful thing when we think about what God's trying to communicate to us. And, and also, it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> so, so who here this morning would be confident to say, you know, probably me personally, I'm a little bit more like Martha in this story. Anyone like that? I, I'm kind of that deal. I appreciate your honesty. It, now, if you're forgetting the difference between the characters, think Martha Stewart. She's, you know, the, the cooking kind. So Martha, Martha Stewart making all creative, lovely things, getting prepared. So, so some of us feel a bit more like Martha. Anyone feel a bit more like Mary? Any Marys here today? No one's prepared to be a Mary. <laughs> I see, I see that, Mary. Now, can, can I just say, I apologize to all the men here asking you to, like, you know, relate to a woman. You're like, well, look, I, honestly, uh, I see these two girls. They're awesome. But, but, but Phil, I'm a dude. Um, but, you know, anyway, but we think about the character quality here. Uh, or who, who finds yourself somewhere in the middle? You're like, I'm a little bit of a mix. I, I see some kind of... Uh, sometimes, I don't know if it says sometimes I'm more like Martha, sometimes I'm more like Mary, depending on my mood, maybe what's going on, or, or sometimes, or maybe all the time, I, I'm kind of somewhere in that middle space between these two realities. And, and here's the great thing, that no matter who God has created you to be, he's created you to connect with him. No matter what you're like, God wants to find you where you are. And I see that in these two entirely different people. And Jesus has a heart for both of them. They both got a heart to connect with him. Martha goes about it in a different way. Remember, why is she doing all of this? Because she loves and values Jesus. But she misses something in the midst of that. So how do we connect with God in our own journeys of faith? You know, I love that this story all begins with Martha opening her home to Jesus. This is the starting point. And when I consider for us, what does it mean for us to truly connect with God? It has to start with this mindset, with this attitude of openness towards who God is. So it's a starting question. Say, am I open to God being a part of my life? Is there actually an open door in my life for God's presence? Now, now, this is an interesting question because there, there'll be a bunch of us here today that have said, yeah, I've decided to follow Jesus. I put my faith and my life in him. And, and there may be some of us here that are still on a journey, that, that you're here at church, you're probably exploring about who God is, thinking through what faith means to you. And, and for you, that question might mean a different thing. Uh, but here's what, what I'd encourage you with, wherever you're at in that. And, and the reason I ter- use this word openness, I almost imagine like a, a conversation. You know when you're like maybe presenting an idea to someone, you say, are, are you kind of open to this idea? There may be some thoughts, there may be some doubts, there may be some things that you need to get your head around. But but. but but are you at least open to discussing? Are you open to wrestling this through a little bit? And this is where connection with God starts. No matter what the barriers to belief are, no matter what the difficulties are, no matter what the problems are with connecting with God, to have this attitude that comes before anything else and says, God, there's some things that I need to overcome. There's some obstacles, but I'm open to you being a part of my life. This is the starting point for connection with God. You know, maybe you're here and you've, you know, to put it this way, you've been in relationship with God for a long time. But are you actually open to him being a part of your life? 
Now, now I don't want you to dismiss this because it's like, yeah, of course, I'm a Christian and I'm open to God. Those things don't necessarily add up to the same thing. Are you open to God being a part of your life, being a part of your soul, being a part of who you are, allowing him to inform who you are as a person, to bring change from the inside out? Do you have a heart, do you have a mind that says, God, I'm open to you being a part of my life? So it can be a scary thing because we don't know exactly what God's going to do with that. You know, I trust my God and I want to keep my heart open to him. As the story continues, we, of course, see Jesus come in. The home's open. Martha invites him. And and as a starting point, I, I want to put our focus on Mary, who, of course, sits at the feet of Jesus. Really, she waits and she listens. Now, and I think sometimes we can, we can unfairly judge what Mary is doing in this story. We think that she's just chilling, that she just doesn't want to be doing the work with Martha, and she's, she's there in the living room because that's where you hang out, where you're not doing work. I don't think that's what's happening at all. In fact, I think there's a streak of Martha alive in Mary as she intentionally decides to sit at the feet of Jesus. That no matter what the distraction, no matter what else is going on, she says, Jesus is here in this moment. I will make sure that I hear everything that he has to say. He says, God is actually here. I will not miss out on an opportunity to hear what he might speak into my life. Mary shows intention in this moment. She sits at his feet, she waits, and she listens, ready to hear anything that Jesus might say. A couple of weeks ago, we had, a, had an incredible opportunity to get away as a, as a pastoral staff team here as a church. And, and we went to like a, a working farm out in Bullsburg. It was pretty cool. Anyone like farms, that whole deal? Some of you are like, I do not want any part of that. But, but that's where we went, and it was a great opportunity. Now, normally what we do at these kind of retreats, we come together and we do a lot of forward thinking for the year. We, we think about the, the different things that maybe God's leading us to or different uh, things in the calendar we need to plan and get prepared for. And I loved what what Dean did as our senior pastor this year, and he led us into that time and pressed pause on all of those things, and we did those things in another space, and said, you know what this is about? This is just about waiting on God. This couple of days, we're just getting away, and we're going to wait on God. And those few days were filled with with moments of, of sitting quietly in his presence, holding a Bible, holding a notebook, and nothing else. Just saying, God what would you speak to me today? Going through a walk through the bush, saying, God, what would you speak to me today? And it was amazing what came out of that time away. And I think about my own experience personally, the sense of connection that I felt with God through those couple of days and coming out of that time was something that I treasure, was something that's powerful. Now, if we want to connect with God, we need to build this same intentionality in our lives and say, you know what? I will, fi- I will find a space with purpose, with intention, where I can wait and listen for God to speak to me. Where I can wait and listen. Now, there's a problem with this space, isn't it? And with staying in this space. It's distraction. It's distraction. 
And of course, this is what Martha experiences in this passage of Scripture. Martha was distracted. And unlike Mary, she doesn't hear all the things that Jesus is speaking because she's distracted. You know, it was, it was funny at the, the, the farm where we were at. So we uh, had all these spaces set up to just kind of sit quietly. We might find a rock somewhere or a bench and just say, God, just speak to me. And, and at the kind of center point of the farm, there was a sheep pen and there's a bunch of sheep. And there was one particularly unattractive ram. You know when you see a really ugly sheep and you're just like, man, that sheep's... Pretty gross looking. And, and the whole time, the, and they're, they're laughing, they know where I go with this. So we're, we're taking these moments of just resting in the presence of God. And the entire time, the few days we were there, there was this one ram that was just constantly pushing his romantic agenda on, on the other sheep in the pen. And, and you'd be spending this moment of quiet reflection. You'd open your eyes and say, oh God, I don't want to see that. And you, you'd move to the left or the right. And, and it was pretty much the most distracting thing I can think of when trying to seek the presence of God. And uh, uh, again, sorry for my irreverence in that moment, but I'm just, you know, distractions are real in whatever form they come. But, but I guess more significantly, I got to the end of that, that time away and something dawned on me. What we'd done together as a team wasn't a reflection of the normal rhythm of life. Was it? We kind of stepped out of uh, our normal work commitments, uh, our normally normal responsibilities as as parents, as husbands, as wives, as all the other arenas of life where we invested energy. We press pause on almost entirely for a couple of days, just to say, God, everything about us, we want to seek Your presence. And, and it occurred to me that in order to continue to live my life connected with God in that way, to have a space where I could wait and listen. There needed to be a new degree of intentionality within me to preserve that space in my life. Because there's a number of responsibilities, arenas of my life that require energy. Arenas of my life that, that I've, I see as a privilege to be a dad. I see as a privilege to be a pastor, a privilege to be a husband. They're not bad things, but they're arenas which require energy. And they're right there each new day. But when it comes to investing intentionally in connecting with God, it's not a pressing thing that you wake up to each new morning unless you choose it and say, God, no, this really matters. You're my God. You're my Savior. I want to connect with you in a real way. I want to be intentional. I want to wait and I want to listen. I don't want to be distracted. I want to set my life up in a way so I have protected spaces to connect with you, to simply be in your presence. You know, when I, I think about this and this idea of, of how we stay centered in those moments with God, uh, I'm reminded of one of my good friends, Josh Hagland. Some of you will know him. He, he plays and leads worship here as a church. Uh, we've known each other for a long time and very early in the piece, I reckon he must have been eight or nine years old, he, he had just nailed typing, right? Like typing on a, on a keyboard. And back then, that was a big deal. That was like, what was it, 90, early 90s, something like that. And not everyone could type back in the early 90s, but he was phenomenal. Just kind of put any kind of keyboard, musical, computer-based, he is a whiz on it. And, and, and one of the things I remember him teaching me is he was typing away, and I was like, you know when you're bad at typing and it's all index fingers? And he's like, doop, 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 
And he, meanwhile, he's just powering and going for it. And he said, Phil, here's, here's what you need to learn about typing if you want to be a good typist. And you can get your notes out. This is huge. He said, you've got to remember the home position. Anyone familiar with the home position? Again, this is a, a you know a, probably a 90s comment. I think most of us just inherently know how to type nowadays. But, but home position, and the idea was that there's special keys on your keyboard that if you rest your fingers in that space, it makes typing really easy. And you can just learn how to type really quick. And from that centered position, you can become an awesome typist. Now, what I found is when I tried to do that, I found it was way harder because you can't see any of the keys. It's like my, my big dumb hands are covering all the keys. I don't know where my things are. And I'm like, Josh, Josh, I'm faster doing it this way. And he's looking at me just like frustrated as I'm churning out, you know, three words a minute. And he's, he's just knocking stuff out of the park. And, and I thought about that when it comes to this idea of having centering time in God's presence. That when we think of those moments in God's presence that we build and protect in our days and in our weeks, they bring us back to that centered home position in his presence. And when we operate out of that space, we do everything better in our lives. I genuinely believe that. That all the arenas in your life that you're privileged to invest energy into, you will do better when it comes from that home position in the presence of God. There will be more power to it. There will be more purpose to it. There will be more of God's nature in it and through it. Will we be intentional in the time we spend with God? You know, I think of Martha... And I think of her distractions. And I think as we read this story, we know, we know that her heart was kind of in the right place, wasn't it? She wanted to do something for Jesus. But, but in that, she unintentionally, through good intentions in fact, missed an opportunity to actually be with Jesus. Because she was too busy with the doing. Here's a question I want to invite you to wrestle with for a moment. Where are the spaces in your life that are unintentionally prohibiting you from connecting with God. Because my suggestion is we probably all have them. We probably all have things in our lives that without thinking about it, are actually stopping us from connecting with our Creator in meaningful ways, in the day-to-day, in the week-to-week, in the rhythm of our lives. What are those things that prohibit us from being in His presence? What is it for you? And coming out of that thought, I love where Jesus leaves this passage of Scripture. And in his response to Martha, he says, Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away. And it's this final encouragement to us when we think about what it means to connect with God, that, that we need to choose what is better. We need to choose what it's better. When we think about the things that, that, that prohibit us from God's presence, no, we've got to choose what is better. And what Jesus is referencing here is connection with him. He's saying Mary has decided intentionally to hear everything that I might say to her. That's actually better than what he speaks into the bigger picture of Martha's life, of, of being worried about too many things having too many priorities, too many responsibilities that have squeezed out the presence of God in your life. And he says, choose, choose what is better. 
You know, there's two thoughts where, when I think about this idea of, of why that is the right choice. Why would Jesus say that's actually a better thing to do in my life? And the two things that I come back to is, is number one, I think, why, why is that better? I, I think about my creator. I think about the reality that I am his creation. And he actually created me with purpose. And that purpose was to know him and be known by him. And really what that means is that each one of us was created with something deep in our hearts and our souls. Even if we don't feel it, even if we don't recognize it, there's a need in our soul to connect with our God. And when we find that connection with God, there's a purpose and fullness to life that can't be found anywhere else. Can someone say amen to that? That when we connect with God in that way, there's a purpose and meaning of life that cannot be substituted by anything else. And the reason for that is that I was created to know my God. I was created to know the love of my Savior. And when I miss that and don't live in that, I actually miss what I was created to be and do as a person. To just know Jesus. To live my life connected to Him. And that's why Jesus says, choose what is better. You're created for this. You're created to find fulfillment. Just waiting and listening to the voice of your Savior, to the voice of your Creator, to the voice of your God. The next thing I think for my life and for our life as a church, that, that, that why that choice is the right choice to make, is that as a, that as a Christian, I have a fundamental belief that, that God has called my life to have purpose, that my life actually matters in Him. And I believe that to be true for each and every one of you here today as well, that God actually created you with purpose, that God actually created you with your, your life to have significance and value. Now, here's the thing, that that God creates us, and even as I think about the the unique group of people that he's brought together to form our church here at True North, that God has brought us together as a community to have value and purpose in holding up the gospel. That God's called us together to have purpose as a church. Now, I think about that purpose, and I think, what does it take to live in that purpose? Is it about training? Is it about being skilled or talented? Is it about working hard? No. It's about waiting and listening. That we find power for who God calls us to be only in his presence. If we forget that and try to do any number of things, again, it can never substitute the power that we have in his presence. That God brings strength to my soul. That God brings courage to my heart. That God brings perseverance to my spirit. Only through connecting with him. And let that be an encouragement for your life as well. That if you're wrestling with faith, if you're wrestling with who you feel God's calling you to be, know that the strength to step up and into that comes simply from connecting with him. I love the, the kingdom of God, the, the idea of, uh, of God's kingdom on our world and us being a representation of that. And, and it's the same thing for every single person to make our, lives have ma- make our lives have purpose, to make our lives matter in God's kingdom. It's the same thing. It's simply hanging out with Jesus. 
for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we're like. It doesn't matter our weaknesses. It doesn't matter our strengths. It just matters, are we in his presence? It's the only thing. It's power in his presence. I'm going to invite the, the team to come up. And I want to leave you this morning with some practical things to take away with. Because we're, we're talking about connecting with God. We're talking about finding spaces in your life, in the midst of the responsibilities that you have, in the, the arenas of energy, if you like, in your world, to have space to be connecting with God. Let, let me give you some things to wrestle with. And we're going to have them up on the screens. I encourage you, if you're a note-taking person, you're, you're, you're hearing this message this morning, you're like, yeah, I want to take some of this, and I want to really apply it in my life. I want to give you some questions to think about. And the first one is this. Where can I find margin in my life to wait and listen? Where can I find that margin? Does it mean being less invested in some of the other spaces in my life? Quite literally, the time of day, the day in the week, where is that space where I can just sit or stand or however you connect with God and say, God, would you speak to me? Would you show me that you're real? Would you be a part of my life? Where will that space in your life be? The next question. How do I best connect with God? What is it for you that, that, that you feel the most connected to God's presence? Is it coming along to a church service? Is it opening your Bible? Is it having spiritual conversations with people? What is that thing for you that, that just brings your soul alive in God when you do it? Do it this week. Whatever it is. Whatever that space is, that you can say, yeah, that's how I connect with God. Oh, that's all I need to do. <laughs> Find the space to do that. Another idea, and, and similar to, I guess, the, the retreat that, that we shared as a pastoral team, is, is to put a morning aside or a day aside, maybe once a month, once every two months, and just step out of every other arena of responsibility in your life and say, God, today, I just want to hear from you. Take your Bible, take a notebook, take nothing else. Just say, God, I want to create a space, an extended space where, where you could just speak to me. I wonder what God might speak into your life if you built that into who you are. Maybe if you're, your parents, you're, you're married, you say, yeah, one month, you do it. Next month, I'll do it. Look after the kids, whatever. To find that space to say, God, I just want to push everything to the side and I just want to hear from you. And then the final thing is to contest issues of sin. If the things that even if you think about what it means to connect with God, I, I'm talking about the blockages there, that our God is holy and our God invites us to be holy too. And by grace, through faith, we are. Praise God and amen. But still, we grow to become more like him. And when we do that, we find a deeper sense of connection with who he is. So I'd encourage you, if there's some spaces that you need to give over to God, say, God, I know I'm more than this. I know you've called me to be more than this. God, I'm not just sorry about it, but I want to change. See, what is that step? Maybe it's having a conversation with someone. We're going to have a prayer team after the service down here at the front. You go and get, ask someone to pray into that or any a number of these things. To bring someone into that journey. So you say, no, I'm not going to tolerate things that prevent me from connecting with God like I know I can. 
I want to know his grace. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to praise our God one final time this morning.